Welcome to This Sustainable Life. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Big City Andrew. It used to be Small Town Andrew, and now you're Big City Andrew. Yeah, yeah <laughs> correct. I lost the Small Town Andrew, so I had to come up with a new name. So uh, why not Big City Andrew? Huh? <laughs> Did everybody shift over with you? Has everyone made the, the jump? A lot of people have tried coming back to uh, Twitter after getting banned um, in early January, but they haven't had success because they'd like sign up on their same phone and they just end up getting banned again oh. after like a week or two. But I think I figured out a loophole. I've been signing on my um, tablet where I never got on Twitter previously. So uh, they haven't figured out that it's me still. So I'm still on. Yeah, I'm still on there with my... Uh, New account at Big City Andrew, formerly at Small Town Andrew. <laughs> we'll keep it quiet because their tendrils get everywhere. I feel like you know people talk about how they'll mention, oh, I might be buying a new car, and suddenly they get all these ads for new cars, and somehow, how did that happen? Yeah, <laughs> I say we're, we're joking about that, but it's actually serious. Oh yeah, I notice that all the time. Like I'll be talking about something with my mom or my girlfriend, and then uh, next thing you know, you get on Amazon, and that's like the first thing they're advertising to you. <laughs> Now, I'm going to uh, segue over from there because you mentioned girlfriend. And last time you mentioned how you and your girlfriend, when you take out trash, you mentioned, oh, we, we can't, we're not going to do that two-year stuff like Josh. And I've really been wondering, like, I didn't pick up on that last time. I was just listening to that episode just now. And I didn't pick up on that. But I was really curious if what you did this past two months resonated and, and uh, rippled through to the other parts of your life. And maybe it'd be best to jump in and hear what did you commit to? And actually, what led to it? I mean, I know I instigated the conversation, but what, what were the values of yours that you were acting on? And then what did you decide to do? Well, I always have believed in um, clean air and recycling, obviously, is a very good thing. I've always been believed in that, but I've never actually done it. So what I did was I just agreed to recycle my Gatorade bottles since I drink tons of Gatorade and have bottles that just fill up my trash all, all the time. So instead of filling up my trash, I got one of those huge totes. And uh, every time I finish one, I just smash it down now and screw the bottle on and throw it in there. And um, yeah, I've r racked up, I think like 150 or so since the last time we talked. So I went in there with uh, quite a big selection. <laughs> and can you tell me more about what did you, what did you do in terms of, was there planning involved? Or did you just say like, okay, I'll just do it and see what happens. And once you started, did it, I'm, I'm picturing a room full of 150 bottles, but I guess if they're squashed down, they don't take up as much space. And then in New York, in that video I just sent you that you, I saw you emailed that you at least saw some of it. You see that in New York, they, they go around and pick up the, I don't think they do plastic. I think it's only metal, but giant carts. I mean, people have like giant, giant carts that they go through and collect all this waste and they get the, uh, five or 10 cents back for it. Yeah, I was going to say that's the uh, most inconvenient part, I would say, is that I had to drive like 20 miles to go to the place and drop it off. And I think I only got like six bucks or something like that. So mm -hmm. I don't think the return is as good as what it is in uh, New York and California and some of the other states where they've got uh, better recycling. You get more money back or whatever. But yeah, I'd say uh, that's definitely something that made me consider is that it would be nice if almost they had like an equivalent to a garbage man come around and pick up um, bottles and whatnot to recycle. Well, I mean, what was it like? Was it annoying? Was it easy? Was it fun? Was it, did it get in the way of things? 
No, it was super easy. Actually, uh, it did save me a, a lot of garbage space because um, we have two liters also that we just smashed down and throw it in there. So it's amazing how much space in the garbage that saves when you don't have your drinks filling it up and you're just throwing in like um, paper plates and um, fast food bags and stuff like that. Your garbages last a lot longer than when you're filling them up with uh, bottles. So it, I guess it did two things. It made it to where I wasn't um, using so many bags of garbage. And then it did uh, made me be able to recycle them as well. So it was a double win. Can I go back a step? And before, if you, I mean, you talked about caring about air, land, and water. I forget exactly how you put it. What were your views on recycling before? Was it something that was like, oh, that's for other people to do or someone else's problem or just didn't think about it? Yeah, I've always been like in grade school and whatnot, I was taught about recycling and we recycled at school. We had like those big blue bins that you would throw your um, plastic or metal cans in and whatnot. But yeah, it's just something that I never really thought about to go do myself. I just, I didn't think I would make that much of an impact recycling myself, I guess. And then, you know, obviously I'm busy in my life. It's just something that I never prioritized. But when you brought up how, how I should try it out and then I thought about it, how easy it really is. It really was an easy process. I think I offer, a, I believe, a correction that I think you'll accept, but I'm not sure. I think you came up with recycling. I came up with, I mean, what I hope I said was I invite you to think of something to do to act on your values. Yeah, exactly. And the reason I make the distinction is that everyone listening may or may not, maybe they already recycle and so they can't recycle more, or maybe they don't have anything to recycle. That doesn't mean that they don't have values. That doesn't mean that if they act on their values, they won't find something that resonates with them, even if this isn't one of those things. Yeah, exactly. And it's almost like just a seed needs to be planted in some people's head that they, they can make a big difference just recycling. And the amount of garbage that you could save was the nicest thing for me, because like I said, I didn't have to take garbage out, you know, four or five times a week. Instead, it was only been once or twice a week because the vast majority of the garbage goes into the uh, big totes with uh, the bottles. I tried using garbage bags at first, but I was filling up too many garbage bags and then it looked super tacky laying around the house with garbage bags full of bottles. So uh, I went to the uh, totes instead. Yeah. Also, I, I would guess that it's not a lot of garbage bags, like you want to keep rodents out and cockroaches out, but when it's Gatorade bottles, I would guess that they're, they're not going to mildew. They're not going to attract vermin. So you don't need the security for them. Right. Yeah. My question for you is, uh, how often do you go to the recycling place? Um, do you wait till you get a huge stash or is it better to go every uh, couple of weeks and drop off what you have? Well, I don't want to get too out of your most people's expectations, but I mean, I, don't, I definitely don't buy Gatorade. I don't buy bottled water. Mm -hmm. I don't buy the last bottled stuff I got was this hot sauce and I'm using it up. It's so hot. It's, it's like insanity. Like a drop the size of a grain of sand is enough for like a six quart casserole. It's so powerful. Wow. And so I'm just at the end of it. it take, it's, I'm like three or four years into this bottle. So I might buy a new bottle for that. In any case, what I'm getting at is that I have very little recycling. I, I view recycling as like the listeners can't see this, but I'm holding my hands apart. And I'm like my, if my left hand is no waste whatsoever and my right hand is complete total waste, a lot of people think, I think recycling is like near the end, near my left hand, but I think of it as more near the right hand. I think of it as much closer to, I, I think most of it is a scam that mm. is promoted by Coca-Cola and all these people who benefit from selling more stuff and like Fiji water. It's like, we're, we're shipping water from Fiji. 
to the U.S. Like our water is not good enough. And you know, bottled water companies, they're not selling water. They're selling bottles. So I don't buy that stuff. So it takes me longer, probably longer to fill up a load of recycling. I mean, most of my recycling, it's out of view. Like I get it, but I have a box that's like cardboard box that I got from the basement from someone else. And uh, I put recycling there, but most of the recycling, there's actually stuff that when I'm coming home and I'm picking up stuff off the street, every now and then I'm like, there's something right outside my door. And it's like easier for me to take it upstairs than it is to take it outside. So I just bring in other people's garbage. And I really have very little recycling. It's like, it takes me years to fill up a load of recycling too. Same with the paper. Most of the paper recycling is junk mail. And I call up the places one by one and just tell them, take me off your list. And that one is interesting. If you don't mind my sharing, I'm going to anyway. That I started doing it, I guess, because I read this book on zero waste uh, from one of my previous guests, B. Johnson. And she talked about calling, she would get off these lists. And I thought, what's the big deal? I'm not causing it. So I don't feel responsible for it. But then I stopped, I call these places up and it's like one call. It's not like a great waste of uh, use of time, but if I compare it with not watching TV, then it's okay. It's a great way use of time. The effect is that I feel like they were in my physical space. People are putting their junk in my home. And now I don't have that. Like this, my home is my castle, you know, and even in my apartment, it's actually the, the space downstairs. There's a, a little mailbox, the whole building, all the mailboxes are in one place. And so that's not even my apartment, but I still feel like they were getting their junk in my space. And now I don't have that. I have very little, I get very little junk mail, but what junk mail I get goes in the recycling. And that's most of my recycling, uh, paper recycling. Yeah, that's a double win there. You don't get junk mail anymore. And then, uh, yeah, you don't have to uh, throw it away and waste paper. I didn't even consider that, all that junk mail that they send out to just hundreds of millions of Americans. Imagine how much paper that is wasting. Yeah, they charge, they charge them less for the bulk mail, but I think they should charge them more because it's most of that stuff no one wants. Yeah, exactly. But that's their business. I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into the mail business. So if you had conversations with your girlfriend about less trash and now you're actually producing less trash, then has this made its way into conversations? Are you like starting to feel like, oh, I can see how I can make a bigger difference, or are other people reacting to it? Um yeah, I keep a pretty tight circle for the most part. It's just mainly my uh, girlfriend and I, but she's also participated in any plastics that she's had. She's um been smashing and um yeah, we really don't use too much metal because we don't drink um soda. So I really don't throw away a lot of uh metal products anyway, so I haven't even bothered to um start collecting that. But yeah, we've definitely picked up on the bottles and it is something um fun like we wash them out every night and make sure there's no empty uh gator sticky gatorade at the bottom of it whatnot smash them down put the lid back on and yeah it's amazing how much um, room you can save by doing that and uh yeah just me and her have both pretty much adapted the uh, bottles for now and um we'll see where it goes but we've always been kind of like when we're out and about in one of these cities, we don't like seeing a lot of garbage outside. So we've always been like anti-garbage. I travel a lot and I'm, I love walking. So whenever I go to like a big city, I like to wake up early, like 6 a.m. before um, everybody's out and about and t- take a walk around the city. And it, uh, like we talked about last time, that's one of the most disparaging things you see when you walk around a beautiful city is then you just see this big mound of garbage, like underneath an overpass or something. And it's just uh, really disparaging when you see that. So how much of the video did you get to see of the one that I did the other day? I just checked out the pictures and read the article. I didn't even... Uh, oh, okay. I didn't make it to the video. I didn't see it on there. I, I 
guess I didn't make it that far down to the bottom of the okay. article. So I'm going to put a link to this in the text that below the links to Andrew's sites, because I want to feature yours. But uh, also I went out at 7.30 on Saturday morning and went around and took pictures of my neighborhood. And it was, um, I mean, it's covered in litter and some of it like horribly disgusting. I mean, some of it is like someone just casually left a can on, on someplace. That's like the least of it. And at the end, oh, this w- wasn't my pictures, but I also pointed to some pictures of like in the third world, there's mountains and mountains of this stuff that weren't there 10 years ago. But if you look 10 years ago, it would look there like it does here. And I don't see why we would expect that we would somehow be immune from, I mean, the plastic doesn't break down. You know, all the plastic that's ever been produced still exists and we're producing it faster than ever. I can see us sleepwalking into our world looking like the third world does now in terms of the amount of garbage we have. Because as long as people say it's a sanitation issue, they're missing that we're producing it faster than ever. And virtually none of it is necessary. I mean, I don't need a bottle for my water. Even if you take all the flints in the country, you know, Flint, Michigan and cases like that, that doesn't add up to anywhere near the amount of plastic bottles we produce. Yeah. So much of it is just like a convenience thing. Like you'll see people pay like uh, $3 for a soda at the gas station when you could get it at the grocery store for like um, 79 cents or something like that. So really the answer to that shrinking the um, amount of plastic we're producing is we got to come up with better solutions. It seems like to and more convenient ways for people to get like water, I guess, um, traveling with their own cups and whatnot, uh, should be more encouraged for that. I, no, I'm going to, the listeners can't see that behind you in giant letters, it says Trump make America great again. And I don't hear a lot of Trump people saying we should like talking about environmental issues, except to say that someone's been getting rich off of this and getting power off of this and they themselves are not doing it themselves. So they're probably not genuine and authentic. And I certainly see it fair to question how genuine and authentic are they if they're saying to do something that they themselves are not doing. But am I, is there a message about that in, in your world? If so, have I missed it? If not, does it belong? Would it fit? I don't think it's at the top of their priority list as far as um, what you think of as global warming and whatnot. But conservatives are very conscious of clean cities. They'll be the first to point out like San Francisco and Portland and how dirty it is and say the hypocrisy that these are some of the most far left cities in the country and they've got some of the most trash of any cities in the country. So they do care about having a clean city, but I think that most of their take on climate change is that they're worried that it's they're trying Democrats are trying to close down factories and cost people jobs. So um, I think that's where a lot of the uh, dis, the difference comes from because conservatives are very paranoid about things changing. They think that um, we've been living in a great country for a long time, and they're just so worried about the toll on the economy that all these changes um, would have. So if we decided outside of extreme cases like. Flint, Michigan, or flood situations, if everyone just only went to tap water and it, replacing all bottled water with tap water and maybe even soda with tap water, uh, which is, I mean, Coca-Cola has only been around for what, 100 years, 150 years. And originally it was like these little six ounce bottles that were a little treat every now and then. And now people go through liters a day. But if those industries went away and we didn't have bottled beverages, and let's make exception for a nice bottle of wine, perhaps every now and then, uh, good beer. So there's a lot of factories that produce bottled water. They would be out of business. 
On the other hand, people wouldn't have to spend money on it. So they'd have more money in their bank accounts because they now have free water. I'm just kind of curious how this plays out from, from my perspective, this is a clear win. There would be shocks to the system, but I think if we did, they could be foreseen and handled, but I'm curious how it sounds to your ears. If suddenly culture shifted and we said, you know, bottled water is not worth it. Let's not get bottled water and cut out a lot of other bottled beverages as well. But people, if people wanted to do it, I'm not saying a government mandate. I'm saying if culture changed so that, you know, maybe if this, if this conversation went viral and people are like, you know what? I don't need water from Fiji. Well, I don't know. It sounds like it would take a lot of convincing, but then again, um, there are a lot of conservatives who are on board with wearing masks and things like that. So maybe they could be convinced to uh, get rid of the bottles. But from what I've seen, it would be made fun of a lot probably about how ridiculous it is and whatnot, because I remember the plastic straws and all that conservatives like to poke fun at. So I don't think that they would be uh, ready for something so strong just to get get rid of like bottled water and um, cans, unless if you show them some kind of proof that the damage that they are uh, being produced is having on the society. And then maybe you could convince a lot of them, but uh, there's always going to be I, I face this problem a lot as a Trump supporter as well. There's always going to be 30 or 40 percent that are just really skeptical about everything. So um, you're never going to convince that 30 percent on certain things just because, like I said, I think conservatives are just more um, paranoid people in general and don't trust the government. Now, this is me wondering, because plastic to me seems like a change that because it wasn't there more than I mean, in the numbers like now, it's only a couple decades, but it. I mean, more than 100 years, it didn't exist at all. And so to me, I'm paranoid about that. And, but I, see, I, I feel like I'm in a small minority for whether of any political stripe. Everyone's like, plastic, get used to it. Like, that's the way it is. And, and let's just separate single-use plastic from, you know, my computer's made out of plastic, but that's a lot less. Let's just look at single-use. Is that not something that they're paranoid about? A recent thing? Uh, I just don't think it's something that's on most of them's radar. Maybe if um, there were some big conservative voices that spoke out about the effects that plastic's having, maybe saying, hey, look at what's happening to a lot of these nice cities. Even like I mentioned, some conservative cities like Tulsa, Oklahoma, they've got litter all over the place. So maybe if you showed them that, the effects that it was having, you could do it, but it would definitely take some convincing. There, I'd say it's a long ways off right now from people going with that. I'm talking to a big media conservative Trump supporter. And I think it's not like, I don't want to convince people. We bring you on the show though. So (laughs) restate it if I'm saying it wrong, but you're doing something that you hadn't thought about before, but now that you're doing it, it's like, well, sure. Why not? And I, are are you going to keep doing it after now it's two months is over. Are you going to keep doing it? Or are you like, okay, that was a nice experiment, but. No, I'm just going to keep doing it. We've already got a nice new stash of bottles. So I've started the new collection. So yeah, I figure since it was um, such a long trip to the place, I'll probably wait about six to eight months before I go again. And I'll have a huge collection brewing in the garage and just take a truckload. But uh, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. And it is kind of fun. I really, I wasn't doing it for financial gain, but I guess it's kind of fun to see um, like when you bring in a stack, how much money you're going to get compared to the stack you took in last time, um, see how much more you can possibly get or what, and stuff like that. Keep track of how much you are um, contributing to the plant. It has a built-in gamification. I, I guess, yeah, you can see, you get immediate returns. The amount of the return is less than is less important than that you get a return at all. 
And then there's some random element to it because I guess you're drinking different amounts on different days. It's probably more, maybe more in the summer than the winter. I'm not sure. And then you can challenge yourself to do more and you can compete with others. I guess it, it sounds like that's what is happening. Yeah, exactly. Just trying to uh, have fun with it any way we can. And it's been a positive experience overall. So let's say that spread. So not getting rid of all bottles, but just people feeling like if I can recycle or not, I'll err on the side of recycling as opposed to not, not even not knowing what may come of it. I mean, if that makes a difference in the world, just because why not? Or because you're describing this fun. Yeah, a good angle might be to get um, conservatives on board with the uh, recycling of plastic and uh, metal would be that if everybody in the country recycled, just imagine the amount of jobs it would create for people that would have to um, work at these plants because there would be so much more coming in. They would have to hire a lot more people and it really would um, create a lot more jobs. This is one of my major motivations is, I forget, if I, did I tell you the last time about my dad being a, a voter in Pennsylvania with the run-up to the last last season's elections? No, you did not. So he was, you know, Pennsylvania was a swing state and he was he was unsure how it was going to go. And I was saying, well, if you want to influence the outcome, you got to talk to people you don't agree with, people who aren't voting the way you are. Because he's voting all with the people, or he's talking only with people who vote with him. And he says he doesn't want to talk to them. And I go, well, if you only talk to people who are voting the same as you, and they were already going to vote, you're not influencing, you're not changing any outcome. If you want to influence, if you want to create change, you have to talk to people you disagree with. And if you want to influence them, you can't just pound them into submission because they're human beings. You know, they're, they have their own views. They're just in their, in their hearts and minds are just as, as more valid than yours are. And as far, I mean, I don't see a big difference in terms of how much we love clean air, clean water, clean land in, in people, however you want to divide it, left, right, old, young, skin color, sex, gender, whatever. It seems like we're pretty, we like those things. We have different reasons why we don't act on it because most people don't. And some people it's because for this reason, for that reason, whatever. But when I can get to, I mean, in your case, I think it was your appreciation for small town America and how beautiful it can be that, and for different people, it's going to be different. Everyone's got a different something inside them that really resonates. But when that's out there, everyone likes acting on those things. And when I talk to people on the left and the right, there are different breakdowns. I haven't gotten anyone on the left who said it's small town America that matters to them. It's usually something different, but there's always something. And I think that that's what I really want to spread. And I really, I don't want to, I don't want to try to convince someone who is not interested in it. I don't want to convince at all. I want to help people realize a value that's already there. And if, if it resonates with them and they feel like, I, if they accept my invitation to think of a way to act on it, then for them to act on it for their own reasons. I really hope to work with people in like flyover country. That's like the first time I've used that term in a long, long time because I don't use that term. But you know what most people who are acting on the environment just neglect or say that's the enemy. We have to, they don't say it this way, but I think they feel like we just have to defeat them. How do you defeat someone on something that they already like? I mean, that just galvanizes opposition, it seems to me. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think the, again, part of the divide is that just the financial costs, people, the conservatives, they um, don't like us going into debt. So they see that these um, trillions of dollars of bills, they see that Keystone pipeline closing costing 12,000 jobs. And then um, unfortunately, at the same time, you see gas prices raising. So they equate that kind of thing to climate change, where they look at it like it's costing them money in their pocket right now. 
unfortunately, I don't know a way that they could change the narrative on that overall. But like we said, maybe you could start off with little things like uh, metal and plastic and um, talk about how it really would make these cities look so much cleaner. Because like I said, conservatives and liberals, they both enjoy walking around clean cities with clean air. So uh, that's definitely uh, something that they have common ground on that um, everybody can agree with. You know, I started looking at little things. Actually, if you listen to the early, early podcasts of mine, I would say to people, what's, you know, can you do a little thing? And people could see it coming a mile away. And people who've been on a lot of podcasts, like Seth Godin, he was, when I said to him, could you do something? He was like, well, I, as I said to you, like he had prepared, he was like, when I do X, I, like when I fly, I'm actually only flying to places where the good that I do will outweigh the flying that I do. And he had like prepared. So when I said, could you do something? He, he was like, as I said, I'm already doing all I can. And I don't want to pick on Seth. But later I realized not to focus on big or small, but to focus on what they cared about which is why I have to start by, like, that's why it's very, I try my best. I don't want to succeed, but I try not to suggest to people what they do because I wouldn't know, I don't know how much Gatorade you drink and I don't know what small towns mean to you. So if I had said to you, how about you do a little thing, recycle, without first getting your values out there, then I think it wouldn't have worked. So I think it's, to me, it's less of a big, small issue, but a heart, mind issue, heart issue, really. And when people, when people, when it comes out, what's in their hearts, I think they enjoy it, whether it's big or small. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a very good point. And it's just one of these things that's unfortunate now that literally every single um, segment of our lives now are politicized one way or another, where people have to be on a left team, right team. And um, it's just where they, so many people just agree 100% on things whichever their um, political um, beliefs align. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, you mean, Rob, it, it's, I guess I haven't met you in person, but, uh, and Rob, your co-host uh, through whom I met you and pr- previous guests here. And yeah, that's what we talk about. It's like, I enjoy our conversations and I enjoy, I really enjoy conversations with people I disagree with. I get in fights like everyone, but less and less. And look, I don't want to sound like I'm some Dalai Lama here because I'm not. And, and most of the time, I lose what I'm about to say, I don't act on. So don't think like I'm some holier than thou person or something. But when there's someone I disagree with, when I actually live by this and and realize, oh, that means I can learn from that person and ask questions instead of seek to win, it's a totally different interaction. And I'm pushing 50 years old and 48 years of my life, none of that made any sense. So I don't know if, if it would have made sense to me when I was younger. And I don't know how good I am at it, but yeah, tra- transcending that or just looking at people is just someone to learn from. Yeah, it's so interesting. On social media, um, you'll read a bunch of posts, and um, I'm guilty of this myself. You get so emotionally attached to um, your position and whatnot, and people are just so hostile on there. You never really have any good um, back and forth conversations, or if you do, it's very rare between people who disagree on their points. And um, yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll even think stuff in my head. And then I'll look back on it a couple of hours later and I'll be like, oh man, what does I do? And you just get <laughs> yeah. so like emotionally attached on that uh, social media. It really does bring out the worst in everybody. Yeah, that's, that's something you guys talk about. I, I don't listen all, to all of your episodes, but just how social media is really, I, a lot of people, I guess there's a whole system of which that's one element where people, it really, you really feel like, oh, I'll just get the, I'll just say this one 
pithy thing and that'll shut that person down. And then, you know, an hour later you get the pithy thing back from them. And you're like, all right, then I'll up it, you know, and I haven't tried to, that's not my issue to solve, but it certainly, it certainly is there. And you, it seems to be something you guys battle. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've been following this uh, Chrissy Teigen situation, which has been really interesting to me because I was never a fan of hers. And I followed her account closely and she had done it to me before too, where she'll uh, quote tweet you and say something negative to you. But she knows that she's a celebrity with millions of millions of followers and they're all going to pile on and attack you. Um, themselves. So I always looked at her as a bully. So it's really interesting to me to see um, this behavior finally catching up to her. Well, I don't know the issue. I, I confess I've seen her name in headlines, but I don't know who she is. Okay. Well, uh, Chrissy Teigen, it's John Legend's wife. She's like a supermodel and whatnot. Uh-huh. And she's a high profile um, liberal on um, social media, Twitter and whatnot. Well, anyways, it came out like 10 years ago. She was watching some MTV reality show and she sent a bunch of direct messages to a teenager from the reality show and basically said that she thinks the teenager should um, kill herself and other horrible things like that. And yeah, she finally got called out on it and um, she's been getting tons of backlash. Her products got canceled from Target, Bed Bath & Beyond and other places, but um it's just like bully behavior, like I said, that I seen from her for a long time because that's what she does. She's got like millions of followers and she'll quote tweet someone with a small account and um, just get all of her supporters to pile on on them. So it's just interesting to me to see uh, her behavior catching up to her. And the direct messages were from before this pattern happened or while the pattern was happening? I'm just kind of curious if like, did she, because if there are direct messages, it didn't have that effect of the pile on. Right. Well, I think it was a situation where she said some things um, publicly on her Twitter account and then um, just went in even Uh deeper on the direct messages and said some even darker things than what she said uh, publicly. But uh, nonetheless, she's a very famous woman. She's married to uh, John Legend. So when you're a celebrity like that, you do have to be careful because when you call out some random person on Twitter, you never know what they could uh, have going on in their life and the ramifications that your words can have on them. Yeah, there's a lot of name calling that big people with big followers can do. I would hope that she would come back later. I, I don't know the story, but I mean, except for what you've just said, but if she'd come back later and say, now I realize what happened and I won't do it or and other people who yeah, also name yeah. call and get other people to pile on. Yeah, she's uh, attempting to do that now, um, doing a bunch of like apology articles. I read that she's trying to reach out to Oprah and maybe get an Oprah interview and um, apologize. But um, yeah, some of the things she said to me are pretty unforgivable. So uh, I hope she just kind of goes away. (laughs) John Legend's pretty big. So I feel like she's not going to go away. And yeah, I'm pausing because I'm trying to decide if I want to jump. I'm going to decline to jump into more about social media. I'm now with the book coming uh, close to book deal for my next book, which will probably be a year from now. But my agent is like, get on social media. You got to get the numbers up more, do more social media. So people who look will see that I'm posting a lot more suddenly. And probably that's why I should not engage on this because I'm trying to stick with uh, things that I believe people agree with about sustainability, but also trying to connect with people who normally wouldn't talk about it, such as Trump community and engage with values, you know, to me, it's about values. It's about leadership, character, integrity. Uh, and I don't think these things are particularly political, like that we value those things. And people without character, without integrity, I think the small enough in number 
that if I don't engage with them, that they'll just get, they'll follow the people around them that do have character and, and integrity. I recognize that other people may have different values as well. There may be people who just say, look, when you die, you die, and I'm just going to have the best time I can when I'm alive, and it doesn't matter about the future and things like that. That's, I, I respect that. That's not the people I'm going to be working with, though. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. I guess um, you can't convince people that have um, no um, interest in being convinced yeah. <laughs> of anything. So. Yeah, I'm not saying my values are better or worse. They're, they're mine. And I hope that there's enough of us out there that share these values. And I don't, I really don't want to bludgeon people. I don't want to, Eisenhower said it, how did he put it? Oh, it was like arguing with people or, or using authority. That's not leadership. That's bludgeoning or something like that. Right. And yeah, um, just from my perspective, my early thoughts on climate change, like I grew up, uh, my dad was a factory worker, works at a steel mill and uh, provided a great living for us and all that. And um, I've been just read about all the steel mills that have closed across the country. Obviously not due to just to climate change. We um, outsourced a lot of jobs to um, China or, and other places as well. But uh, I just think that's where the paranoia comes from is people are just so worried about um, some of these institutions that we've had forever in America closing down and costing a lot of jobs and um, just really worried about the economy when it comes to climate change, like we were talking about earlier, I think it's a lot better um, angle for me personally is when you just talk about keeping the cities um, clean. People can agree on that. They want they don't want to walk through a litter filled area and the recycling thing. I think we're really onto something there. Cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I hope to. I'll ask at some point if there's others that um, other media leaders, uh, conservative media leaders, that would be interested in being a guest here. I'd love to bring them on. Other angles that I think are really important to me is since I've been living more sustainably, I buy from my local farmers a lot more. And that tends to be outside the industrial system. I think this country used to be like 25% or much more farming. And now I think it's 2%. So a lot of jobs have been lost to industrial farming that's mainly producing food that is, it's not, they're not making asparagus. You know, it's corn and soy and stuff that goes into a lot of uh, Doritos and stuff that people might enjoy, but it's not particularly healthy. And I could see a lot more local community jobs created. I love going to the farm every summer. And, oh, all right, this is not farming, but I don't know if you can see my bike trip over the weekend. So people can't see this, but I put sunscreen on the lower part of my arm, but not up. The sleeve was shorter than I thought. And I got supremely sunburned. But what makes me think of it is that I was riding out to the Rockaways, which is about a 75-mile ride over the, on, on Sunday. And I stumbled on tons of mulberry bushes, black mulberries or red mulberries and white mulberries. And they're so delicious. And I was just eating them, eating them, eating them, eating them. And that, uh, that's not jobs related, but that's like the bounty of, the, of, of that's what grows here. I mean, they, they grow naturally. The, the white ones are an invasive species, but the red ones have been here for, I think, longer than humans have. And they're incredibly delicious. And I'll take that over ice cream any day. It's healthier. It's local. It's in, I don't know. It's something about that feels very, I felt very American eating plants off a tree. And when I'm eating food that my, not neighbor, but you know, farm not too far from me produced and I meet them and they email me every week to say, here's what you're going to get this week when you go to the pickup place and pick it up. That's just one area that comes to mind where I think that, I think that this would appeal broadly to conservatives as well as liberals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's one of my favorite times of the year. I live in 
Illinois, so the farmer's market, we really don't start getting a lot of fresh veggies until probably late July, um, early August. And that's when the farmer's market really opens up. If you, we, I could go like right now and there'll be a couple farmers there, but it'll be like imported vegetables from like, um, like down south or whatnot, because the stuff just uh, hasn't grown here yet. So you got to wait until like, you know, late July, early August until you start getting like the fresh tomatoes, cucumbers and all that other good stuff. But uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite times of the year for sure is when all those fresh vegetables start coming in. It's so delicious. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. Before I started doing this, I didn't know that now, so now for a couple of weeks in June, it's been lettuces and lettuces. Like I, I used to be like, what am I going to do with all those lettuce? But now when you flooded with lettuce, you learn what to do with it. And actually there's a whole bunch that I, well, those are beet greens, but I made them into, I can't call it sauerkraut, but you know, I fermented them because there was so much, right? So I got to like keep it going. And I had, I was trying to avoid the fridge to see it, to make my life more resilient, uh, not so dependent on power all the time. And there's vegetables all year round. I mean, I guess up here in the North, in when you get into February, March, and even April, it's a little tight. But once the greens start coming in, up until the last Brussels sprouts or cabbages in, J- in January, there's always something coming in. Yeah, um, it's, that's interesting. And it must be uh, really nice because here I wouldn't even know where to get like fresh vegetables in like, you know, April, May. Um, we used to have a, a fresh market grocery store here, but um, it caught on fire and they never rebuilt it. So uh, we don't have that in Peoria anymore. So um, I'm not real sure um, where I could even like get super fresh vegetables in the area here. So I'm, I'm testing the waters here with you of, of stuff to talk about because I think that I think we would benefit from having more farms growing, not just corn, wheat, soy, you know, definitely grow some of those things, but also have vegetables not only shipped from California or the other, you know, the Southern hemisphere. And when I'm buying the stuff from the farmers at the market, I talk to them. I don't have to if I'm in a hurry, but sometimes I do. And it's family, it's community. I say family also because my sister works with the farmer's market. It's called Grow NYC that they organize the farmer's markets. So she knows them all. And when I walk around with her, I get lots of free vegetables because she's, she works there and they know her and she's like, oh yeah, I have some apples or whatever. But anyway, this is in the context of you were saying of, of like, I'm trying to get like jobs, the economy, mills closing. This is, if I'm not talking about those things, those things are on their minds. And it's all, if I can talk until I'm blue in the face, but if, if I haven't addressed that, what about these farms, uh, these uh, factories closing? then it doesn't make any sense. Or I sound probably ignorant and and, uh, misguided. Well, um, it's not even that so worried about, uh, we're just worried about the big money coming in and then the factory closing. But like we said earlier, there are a lot of things that we could agree on, like um, the uh, bottles and whatnot. But yeah, you're never going to convince conservatives that we need to um, 
close our factories down and um, basically uh, pay more for gas because we should outsource it from other places or get rid of gas altogether. Because people are just so set in their ways in this country with a lot of these things. But there is a lot of common ground, like we talked about, with the fresh vegetables, um, the clean air, clean water, clean cities. So it's just um, maybe that just needs to be sold differently, I think, to the American public. Well, I hope that the all the things you mentioned, and I think the, the biggest one to me, I think you said this word twice, and it was the most important word for me was fun. That to me is like, I don't have to sell fun. Fun sells itself. And I want to get people to experience that. If they don't experience it, there's not much I can do. And for us, you mentioned fun. You know, for me, it's like connection with my family. It's, it's um, definitely meeting my, my farmers, definitely the deliciousness of picking those berries. But it's that emotional side of things and, and emotions that I like. That's what I really want to spread that. Yeah, uh, that's that's a definitely a good angle to take. And yeah, there is it is rewarding. Like he's, like I said, I really wasn't in it for the financial gain, but maybe even a lot of people would be. I mean, there could be money to be made from um, recycling and whatnot. And like we talked about, if so many people did start recycling, you could really sell all the jobs that it would create. Um, at all these recycling plants of people who would need to work there. Okay. I really appreciate this. I, I don't know how the listeners are. Are they like, I don't know if they've engaged or disengaged them, but me learning the perspectives of people who aren't like immediate, there aren't, with the exception of Rob, I don't know anyone in New York. I'm sure I do know Trump supporters and there's a few conservatives I know, but not as vocal as you guys are. So this is me learning about different community. So getting back to our or your experience and, and our conversation, was there anything I didn't think to ask about the about how things went? Besides fun, were, were there more emotions? Was there more of an emotional journey to it? Uh, going back to when you first started, to when you started doing it, to after a while? Was it all one thing or was there different parts to it, different experiences? Um, it definitely was an adjustment period until I got used to it. Like I said, at first when I was doing the uh, garbage bags, it was a little bit of an inconvenience. But once I got um, a couple of huge totes just to throw all of them in, and then at the end, I just got these huge, massive black garbage bags. I threw um, all the bottles in to take it to the plant itself. It was pretty easy and it was pretty fun, like I said, to come up with uh, easy ways to save so much room in your garbage. Um, like uh, I used to take out, you know, two big garbage cans every single week to the garbage man. And uh, I haven't taken out more than one can anytime in the past couple of months, just because I've been um, saving all the bottles and drinks. It's amazing. All the room you save in your garbage can when you don't have all your drinks in it. And did your change in number of garbage, are you extrapolating and possibly seeing ways of reducing the amount of garbage more? I say this because I couldn't help doing that myself back, back when I started. <laughs> If they could somehow make it cheaper, if I would give them less garbage, I would definitely oh. be on board with that. But uh, yeah, uh, right now we pretty much just um, throw everything else away that I normally would have besides the plastics. Okay. And then I think you said you, you keep things pretty tight. It's you, your girlfriend. That's the major, that's the main person you work with. Did it affect any other relationships? No, um, absolutely not. Like you said, we had fun doing it and... Um, we, we do like how it saves so much space around, um, especially the garbage. So yeah, it's just been a positive experience overall, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Just doing plastic still, like I said, other than um, like fast food bags and paper plates and whatnot. Um, I really don't use too much um, other things 
besides that, I guess I could maybe move on to a paper, but uh, I haven't gotten that far just yet. So why don't I wrap up with this, that if this experience leads to other things, I leave an open invitation to contact me and let me know if there's more to share. And I'd love to have you back for that. Yeah, uh, definitely. I will keep you posted and I will let you know next time I take my uh, batch of bottles down and um, how much I get in return for it. Well, Andrew, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Josh. We appreciate uh, you having us on. If you want to listen to Josh, he came on our show recently um, on AmericaOutloud.com. If you go to After Dark with Rob and Andrew, um, the article was titled something like The Sustainable Life with Joshua Spodek. It was a great episode. We had a great time talking with Josh. Like always, he talked about his lifestyle, which I'm sure you guys have heard here on his show, but uh, it might be nice to hear him talk about it with us who uh, really were curious about it. We appreciate you coming on as well, Josh. Yeah. And even if you had heard about me or heard me talking about it here, you didn't hear it in that context. And so it's different because it's not my world. And so you can hear about it in a different context. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we have always had fun conversations. And uh, this was another one. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. And talk to you again soon. Yep. Have a good one. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.